Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella, which is just a very extra way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. I'm Dios FM. And I am Mala Muñoz. Locatora Radio is your prima's favorite podcast hosted by us, Mala and Diosa. We're two IG friends turned podcast partners, breaking down pop culture, feminism, sexual wellness, and offering fresh takes on trending topics through nuanced interviews with up-and-coming Latinx creatives. Known as Las Locatoras, Las Mamis of Myth and Bullshit, and Las Porcasteras Peligrosas, we were podcasting independently since 2016, but joined iHeartMedia's My Cultura Network in 2022. This year, we're continuing to share stories from the Latinx community pa todo el mundo. Welcome to Season 8. Are, Are you, you listening? listening? Hola, hola, locamores. Welcome to Season 8 of Locatora Radio. I'm Diosa. And I am Mala. You're tuning in to Capitulo 166-166. Over the years, we have created segments and series to diversify the type of episodes that we produce over here at Locatora Radio. Like Latinas in politics, loca epistemologies, goddess worship, femme defense, etc., etc., this season, we're bringing you a brand new series called Me, My Mental Health, and I. So far, we've interviewed actress and mental health advocate Danny Fernandez and licensed therapist Adriana Alejandre. This is our third episode of this miniseries, and we're talking about our favorite girl, the sad girl. We are lifelong sad girls. We have a lot of feelings. We feel a lot. We think a lot. We obviously talk a lot. I've been a sad girl on AIM, on MySpace, on Tumblr, on Twitter, especially. Oh, the Tumblr sad girl was like my truest form. But there's also something about Twitter pre Elon that lent itself to sad girl convos. Oh, and we're not alone in that. I've seen so many tweets about hot girl walks and searching for that serotonin boost. And as a fellow sad girl, something that I do is smoke weed, roller skate, and take in as much cinema and comedy as I can, especially if I can weep beautifully in a dark theater. 
I used to tweet about my sad girl days also, and then I started running, and now I'm a sad girl that's literally running after endorphins. And personally, I love a sad girl meme, like the one with the little girl sitting in her car seat and she has glitter smeared all over her face, but she just looks like inspired but tragic. That one is so, so good. I think one of my favorites is that meme of that little penguin that's aggressively putting glitter on a card. Like, I always feel that way when I have to do, like, really anything self-care related, like the real shit, right? Not like the face mask, not like the runs, but like the deep shit where you have to talk in therapy, you got a journal, and it's like, all right, I guess I'll do this for my silly little brain. Why not? Totally. And again, it's not just us. A lot of Latinas are sad girls. I mean, there's just a lot of feeling, a lot of emotion in our cultures, whether it be music like mariachi or bolero. There's this sad girl element to all of it. Everyone is just sobbing on the inside. And a lot of Senora Jams are also sad girl songs. I mean, Give Us Anything by Rocio Durcal. I mean, devastating yeah el gato bajo la lluvia like let me just weep to that weep to that beautifully as you said like i will cry a good cry to that song and also i feel like telenovelas are so hyperbolic that they're like sad girl adjacent you're gonna cry to your favorite telenovela without a doubt they're crying on screen we're crying at home everyone is in tears and that's how we like it there's so many examples and being online has led to a lot of information sharing about self-care, mental health, and community care. This is obviously incredible, necessary, we love it, we do it too, but there's also so much misinformation out there. Yeah, like one time I saw this tweet where someone claimed that if you read a lot as a child, then you were dissociating. I mean, maybe, but like, not everybody, right? Right. I don't think so. And I think most licensed therapists would agree with us. And that's part of the problem. So much is shared online. And we're grateful for that, that the digital space has provided a public forum for people to contribute their ideas with the world. But we also want our listeners who are consumers of content to be mindful of the mental health content that they do consume and make sure that it is healthy. So today we're talking to two licensed social workers, Miriam Juarez and Sasha Robles, creators of Homegirl Consejos. This new project aims to create space for homegirls to unpack the bullshit and exchange consejos. Like us, Sasha and Miriam have been very online. So we want to talk to them about sad girl culture and the Internet. Yes, we have Sasha and Miriam here in studio from Homegirl Consejos. Can you two please say hello to our audience and introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Sasha. And I'm Miriam. And we make the halves of Homegirl Consejos. We're both um, licensed clinical social workers um, that created Homegirl Consejos out of just our experiences as homegirls and just kind of wanting to build community within the Latino kind of space. Yeah, and I think something that means a lot to us is that we were both really raised by women in our family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think part of the consejos is that um, we've always received um, just 
a lot of advice from the women and I think that's something that we both respect a lot. So we really wanted to create a space where it's not so clinical, it doesn't feel like a therapy room. We do recognize that sometimes therapy is not always accessible as we mm-hmm. want it to be. You know, we talk about how mental health is important, but we really wanted to create something that we can bring to the community and it's not as scary, yeah. um, given that mental health is a very taboo subject within our communities. I love that. And I, I just want to get right into it because I love one of your taglines, Comunidad para Chionas, Chingonas, and everything in between. And you're talking about bringing your work into the community. And I know that y'all have been doing pop-ups and doing workshops with Belladonia, our friends over there. And so I just want to ask you about like bringing that into the community and what that's been like for you. I yeah. feel like it's been very like validating in with kind of creating this because obviously it came from like the inception of an idea of like we want to build something like Miriam said like that is very kind of you know focused on feeling accessible so then when we were approached by Lala to kind of do these workshops and like having people actually come out we saw like there is that need right especially within like women and mujeres right where there is kind of like this feeling of wanting to know mental health but not knowing where to start and having it be less scary in that environment of it being an open space and open dialogue. Yeah, and I think um, we met Lala when we were back in grad school Mm -hmm. and we kind of kept in touch a little bit and I remember when she had, well, she's had her space, right? Um, But she kind of shared that she wanted to kind of open it up to the community. And the thing about Bella Doña and Lala is that, like, it's really about, like, homegirls putting on homegirls mm-hmm. that I think um, Homegirl Consejos, like, really stands behind, too, because when Sasha and I met in grad school, like, we met, and for a whole year, we did not really talk. Like, mm. we literally sat right in front of each other, and, like, we just looked at each other whenever we had to roll our eyes at someone. But it was, like, we knew, right? And so after we vetted each other for a year, like that's really when we started connecting. And I think that solidified our friendship because like we were about the same thing. And I think both going to USC, like you either get that or you don't in your classes, you know, like you really have to find your community. So when we started working with Lala, I think that really helped us like find um, just other girls and women who wanted to do the work on themselves and like build with community, which I think it's been really helpful. Now, we found you guys online on Instagram. That's, I think, where we stumbled across Homegirl Consejos. Do you find that a lot of sad girls are very, very, very much online in your experience? Totally. Yeah. I think we were, like, talking a little bit about that and how, like, it's it's like a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. I think the online community and the internet is definitely a place where sad girls go to find community, find validation, sometimes that we don't always get outside but then at the same time it could be where we like over identify with a lot of stuff that's online which could be good and bad right um i think it's really about what we do after that but it's definitely something that is there and i think that's why you know there's a lot of girls that kind of can relate to what we're talking about you know because a lot of us have lived it different experiences but we've lived it i often get asked why i'm such a big fan of wrestling and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. 
They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Can you tell me more about this over-identifying with the sad girl? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's so much that kind of goes into it because I feel like sad girl... It's like the sad girl aesthetic, the sad girl lifestyle, right? Where it's like, I feel like now because of like social media, but then also like the more kind of opening of like mental health and those discussions of mental health. I feel like a lot of people are learning dialogue and just kind of like sometimes like applying that to themselves, right? Where they think, oh, yeah, that's me, right? And so they like overly like identify with it where they say hey yeah that's how I feel when I kind of go through things right or like that is that sad girl kind of feeling that I get so I feel like sometimes it like Miriam said it's like that double-edged sword where sometimes we can kind of become enveloped in that well you know I think it's it's not necessarily a bad thing because I think having it being part of your identity is like a way of really like taking ownership of that you know and I think that's something that like we don't always have that power um, where you, you know, and something we were talking about is like being called like lazy or like, mm. you know, where like, no says nada, you know, like I remember summer breaks when I was in school, like and running at three o'clock because my mom's getting home from work. I got to do something <laughs> to, show, <laughs> anything. to show my worth for the day, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and so definitely that validation and identification with the sad girl, it brings power to you, right? Because it's not like something is wrong with you, like these are my experiences but I think where I see that is like now what right Mm -hmm. like what do I do with it like it's good to have that community and I think it's necessary but then it's taking accountability as well and it's not to say that it's all on us because there's definitely a lot of factors at play but then just when do I take accountability for it you know to bring a to bring a change for me 
yeah, it's like, am I Eeyore and I'm just sad forever? <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just, I, you know, I'm mopey. Yeah. Or am I Elle Woods after her breakup <laughs> and I go to Harvard? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do I do with my sadness? Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think it's also like the definite, like what definitions you want to attribute to like sad girl. Cause I feel like there's a lot of versions of the sad girl aesthetic, right? There's like, the white version the of Lana Sandra. Del Rey aesthetic exactly yes. <laughs> if you like, google cigarettes yeah, yeah exactly. cigarettes black coffee glitter exactly yeah. but it's like when I think about like when I was introduced to sad girl aesthetic I'm thinking like mi vida loca sad yes. girl yes. you know so I'm just like what is this other version of sad girl right because my version of sad girl is a woman who has had hardships right mm. who has had these lived experiences and kind of because of those hardships, obviously it shapes their perspective and shapes kind of like how they walk within their world. While versus like the <laughs> Lana Del Rey, like sad girl is more kind of like what you were sharing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like really just de- defining what that means for you and having it be okay. Is this an act of resistance of me acknowledging, hey, this is, you know, me acknowledging my mental health, me acknowledging, right? Like my experience and how that's affecting me. Or is this like, no, I'm just kind of going for the aesthetic of like, "Mm, I just want to be sad. (laughs) The manic pixie girl. Manic pixie girl. Yes, exactly. Like, what is it? Like, girl interrupted. That type of a thing. Right. Where it's like, it's really kind of depending on where you kind of want to kind of put that definition. I'm wondering in your experiences and doing workshops and connecting with other women, why are sad girls so sad? (laughs) <laughs> you know why or what is making us sad i think like one thing that's so important is that like it's not new right mm-hmm, like when i think mm-hmm. of sad girls like i also like think back to like i have a prima who's older than me who has always like been known as sad girl you know mm-hmm. like that's just been her name um and i just thought it was something like I never thought twice about it, right? Then you have like that Tumblr era of sad girls that mm-hmm. I think is super important to like the internet and our what formation. We see now. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that I think it's definitely a way to kind of like find support and find community because, yeah, a lot of like the conversations that can happen in our like communities are not necessarily like geared to make us feel like supported or to make us or to hold space for what our experiences are. Yeah. Because the reality is that maybe our experiences like aren't as bad as like our parents. Right. Whatever that means. But I think it's different. It's like about perspective. So we might not always get that support and validation from like our communities and families the way that we need it. So I think that is one of the biggest reasons that I think the internet has like come in and like supported us, you Mm -hmm. know? So even if it's an over identification, I think there's definitely like a lot of pros to that um, as to like finding community and being able to like relate. Right. Cause I think we were sad girls in, in part in grad school Mm -hmm. and like, that's something that connected us. Right. So I don't think that like you're ever not a sad girl, but there's waves and you know, life is life. Yeah, I think most of our grandmas probably display strong sad girl proclivities. <laughs> For sure, they do. They love to be sad. Mm-hmm. They yeah. love to, like my grandma loves to talk about like her deepest trauma, like Tragic over things, breakfast. Right? Yeah, like it just kind of comes out the fly, like yeah. drinking coffee. Yeah, yes. Yes. Like, like casually. Yeah, I know because they've never been to therapy, exactly. so they just like se les sale como si nada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned this in particular, and I, I wanted to bust some common myths that we maybe have heard in our families, have been told to us. I know that 
growing up, like my dad always used to tell me, like, you're too young to be tired. You're too young to be sad. Mm -hmm. And that definitely was not how I was feeling at like 16, 15, even younger. Like, no, I was sad or no, I was tired Mm -hmm. because your little body is experiencing so much. Right. But it wasn't allowed or appropriate to be sad, to be tired, to lay in bed. So I wanted to ask both of you, you know, like, how can we like bust that myth that like you're too young to experience some type of feeling yeah as an actor a producer and a proud latino father my days can get very busy which is why i make sure to dedicate time to what's important like supporting my community through my work sharing my colombian and venezuelan culture and being present for my family which is everything to me hey everyone it's wilmer valderrama and we're reflecting on what matters most i start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of My Cultura Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you get your podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I feel like we definitely had to deal a lot of this with like family members that we were dealing with with clients where parents just couldn't understand. Like they have food, right? They have a house over their head. Like they have a family. Like why are they sad when it's like there's it, it goes deeper than that, right? And I think, again, it kind of goes back to that survival thing that Miriam was sharing. Like a lot of the times our families, our parents are living in that survival space because they're doing what they need to do in order to kind of like survive and thrive right in our society right now with everything kind of going on so it's like it's hard sometimes for them to kind of put those two and two together that your child or your like your 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 sibling or whoever that is they have emotions they have right like they have feelings so these things are going to affect them right and i think it's it's really hard to kind of dispel in like our community sometimes because like mental health doesn't always 
is not always accepted as being real, right? Where it's like, that's not a real thing, right? You either get up, you do your thing, that's going to help you feel better, right? Ya, levántate, like clean, right? Like that makes me feel better. And it's like, well, no, it goes deeper than that, right? There's literally that chemical kind of imbalance that can be happening. There's kind of those societal things that like can be kind of affecting you. So it's like there are other pressures that can be happening that are going to kind of trigger someone into that kind of like sad girl or that sadness. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know, I think like going back to like being in survival mode, I think, I mean, coming from like a family from with immigrant parents, right? I think it's hard. It's like, it's hard to understand them because you're like, you, you can like feel for them. But at the same time, you're like, it's your experience, right? And you're trying to understand both. Um, but I think it's being able to understand that like a lot of the time our parents are literally still trying to survive, you know, and that doesn't necessarily change because they are in a safe home. It's literally like they are in flight or fight the entire time, you know, and for parents a lot, or for, I guess, older generations, the way that they've coped is literally like going to work because they had to, right? Having two jobs because they had to. Mm -hmm. And it's not a matter of like, can I do it? It's, it's, I literally have to help my family survive, right? So it's this learned way of coping with what you're feeling and not having to feel it because you're just having your attention to what your responsibilities are, right? And so from like a parent's perspective or like older generations, like it's a privilege to not have to go to work. It's a privilege to say you're feeling sad, right? But like, is it though? Because yeah, like I don't have to work two jobs, but like to a teenager, to someone who's young and experiencing that, like their world is literally crashing because of grades, because of bullying, because of boyfriend girlfriend right like that is their entire world so telling them something like no tienes que trabajar like what are you stressed about like they don't understand mm -hmm. right just the way parents might not understand kids right and so like to me i feel like having conversations is the way that you debunk that right like with parents and not coming from a place of like teaching them because i think in working with parents sasha and i have kind of learned that like you can't just like teach them, right? Like I think it's about learning where they're coming from and like using whatever their experiences are to put things into perspective, right? So one thing that I think like is like a good comparison when like especially working with kids that are like about to go to college, right? Like that first gen struggles that a lot of the times like our parents do so much to support us but don't quite understand like what the stress is about. And you know, like, coming from parents that might have immigrated at a very young age like that is an insane level of stress I can imagine right and so even though going to college might not be the same stress it's still embarking on something new right so being able to like support them and understanding based on their experiences and putting things into perspective right but I think that's part of why homegirl consejos is like really special to us because it's not just for like adults it could be for teenagers it could be for moms right and like having these conversations in a way that is like relatable and not like sitting in an office learning how to like cope right it's mm -hmm. a little bit more like we're bringing it to community and like catering it to a way that we all understand yeah i think we've definitely even had like mother daughters show up to our workshops and then them kind of like having that experience together or even like after the fact like having 
you know, attendees come up to us and like saying, have you thought about doing this for like moms? Yeah, <laughs> like they've requested like a yeah. mom daughter type of workshop. Because I think it hits home because a lot of the times we are covering these things where it's like recognizing like we can be understanding of our parents struggle, right? Understanding of where they're coming from, because like Miriam said, it is a privilege to learn these things, right? It is a privilege to learn, you know, emotional maturity, to have that emotional intelligence. So it's like recognizing that sometimes like a parent's bandwidth isn't there, not obviously excusing some of these behaviors, but recognizing, hey, like what are those limitations and how can we try to kind of work with them to like have them try at least to understand it to some degree for themselves. Yeah, I, I feel like there's something really interesting here. Like parents, grandparents obviously have had tremendous struggle or not, you know, depending mm-hmm. on your family and where you're coming from and your history. But there's something like about, you know, back in our like our my mom went to USC and she did all her papers on a typewriter. Like <laughs> they were literally using typewriters at USC, right? When my mom was in school. And I feel like Back in the day, you're not connected to the internet and you're not seeing every horrible thing that has ever happened like in the world, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, all at once. So maybe there was uh, this perspective where back in the day, your problems were the world and those were all the problems is what's happening right here, yeah. you know? And then like us, we're so inundated with every catastrophe and massacre and horrible yeah. thing and I think we also are in an era where we each feel a sense of responsibility to act yeah. and to help with those things so it's like we're not just coping with our own realities yeah. and what we see and live with it's like it's like so much in our minds yeah because of yeah. what we take in it seems so much bigger I don't know maybe that's why we're so sad no for sure. that makes a lot of you know no, because yeah we are literally in an age where social media is our form of like information right we, we like think TikTok you are gaining like information in such a like short span of time like a 60 second video and it's like all this bad news in 60 seconds, right? Where it's like, and you're just swiping and swiping and swiping. That's kind of like what your feed is. So it's like, yeah, you, there's almost like this existential like dread that can Mm -hmm. kind of be coming over you because you're like, look at everything that's kind of happening. The world is on fire, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So it's like all of those factors kind of like amounted onto one person on top of my day to day, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are my struggles day to day? And I think also to adding the layers of like, the like oppressive kind of systems that are also affecting these people, right? So thinking about the communities that we work in, right? Obviously, the le- predominantly Latino, a lot of it, a lot of them like first gen or just like immigrated over here. So it's like there's so many kind of like compounding factors. It's like of course these kids are going to feel this way, or of course we're going to be feeling this way. There's so much kind of happening at once. I want to ask you both about TikTok specifically, like mm-hmm. not trying to be an old head, like not <laughs> trying to show my age. <laughs> I have a TikTok account. I watch TikToks like the rest of us. I do. I'm also, though, like super cautious and mindful of the mental health information that's shared on there specifically. I've seen like terms used that don't apply. I'm not a therapist either, right? But I'm a therapy user and I'm I'm sometimes questioning like is that accurate should you be using that should we be calling everything gaslighting right. should we be calling everything trauma trauma mm-hmm. trauma dumping mm-hmm. like 
mm-hmm. all those different ther- therapy words, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they're always used correctly by the right people. So I'm curious, like, in y- y'all as professionals, how you navigate that, how you navigate maybe clients bringing you, like, a TikTok diagnosis or something, right? Like, how are you navigating all of that? Yeah, I think it's, like, I love TikTok because, like, there's great information, but then there's not the best information because I feel like the same thing. I'm on TikTok, like, I'm on the mental health side of TikTok and how there's just so many people who are assigning this, like, mental health expert to themselves without actually having that, like, educational background, right? Where it's like, yeah, lived experience is important, but you also aren't kind of, like, equipped to be sharing these things and that's when like there's a lot of misinformation but I think also too because mental health is such a prevalent topic right now everyone is learning the language right I hear gaslight all the time right Mm -hmm. trauma dumping trauma bonding right so it's like all these words are getting tossed around when it's like wait we're like misusing it right and I think again it's kind of like that over identification that's happening also like I'm glad to hear people are having mental health conversations but also being mindful of like the definitions and like the words that we are using because yeah sometimes I'm hearing things and I'm like that's not what that means (laughs) or like the whole kind of thing with like boundaries right where it's like that's not a boundary right like that's a demand right so like Mm. understanding these things and thinking about like how sometimes mental health language can be kind of like weaponized in some ways where it's like that's not what its purpose is for, but it's that's kind of where it's starting to kind of like snowball into, which I'm recognizing where it's like, oh, now we're kind of giving this language to people where it's like now they're misusing it or kind of using it and not in a way that it's intended. It's almost, and I hate to say this, but it's almost like too accessible, you know, because the the access to therapy still isn't there but the language is what's too accessible I think that's the issue right because I feel like if the accessibility was there then like you could have these conversations after with your therapist right and I was kind of late to TikTok like um, I was very resistant and Mm -hmm. then I joined (laughs) but I think surprisingly I'm not on mental health TikTok and maybe it was because I was late and I just haven't gotten there but like everyone has ADHD at this point yeah you know like we have all self-diagnosed with ADHD and I and even in my own sessions like I have so many clients that are like I I think I have ADHD Mm -hmm. right and then it's like okay tell me why but the reality is that so many diagnoses like overlap you know and one thing or like symptoms can like across the board seem similar right but the root of it it is specific to you and your experiences Mm -hmm. and i think like you wouldn't be able to do that work outside of therapy you know which i think it's great to have these conversations and bring awareness but then like now what you know it reminds me of this term that has been so huge in uh, POC communities online and this is now it's escaping me when you're imposter syndrome Mm. yeah everybody had imposter syndrome everyone everyone who's ever gone to college or any type of higher ed has felt like an imposter I guess and and but what's fascinating is that it's tied with this word syndrome yeah Mm -hmm. and like a syndrome is a thing but you have to be diagnosed with a syndrome Mm -hmm. I don't I, isn't and is imposter syndrome an actual syndrome or is it just a thing that we say you know it's what I mean it is but we don't like diagnose that you know within like the DSM within our practice right and it's funny because we actually had a workshop with that and part of that workshop is like why is it not okay to just self-label as 
having imposter syndrome right because yeah. that's that's too easy it takes so much responsibility away from what's happening in exactly. the world and around you mm. and it's not just on the person yeah you know and not everyone has it exactly it's like taking away that like oh this is an individual problem and i think that's like what we t- talked on it's like it's also looking at like the societal kind of like constructs that are like creating that feeling right mm-hmm. so it, this is like the imposter syndrome is a lot of the times like in these big transitions of like going to higher ed right uh-huh. going to college uh-huh. um landing that job right where it's like a lot of the times these are spaces that maybe as poc individuals like are entering it's like that's not you know historically a space that they are kind of supposed to be in or were allowed to be in right so it's like that's kind of where that it's like a construct that is created, but it's like forced to have it be. Oh, but that's you. Like right, that's how right. you're feeling. When it's like no, no, no. Yeah. It's <laughs> like now I don't have a syndrome. I'm just noticing. Yeah. That, or I'm nervous. Yeah. Right. Because right. I'm the only woman in here. Exactly. <laughs> or whatever. Or there's yeah. racism in the office. Mm-hmm. Or there's microaggressions. Right? right. Like that's totally different than like I have imposter syndrome. Absolutely. I remember when I was either applying to grad school or I was already in grad school and I had a session with my therapist and I raised that concern to her. I said something like, I don't know if I'm feeling imposter syndrome or X, Y, Z. And she goes, maybe you're just nervous. Like, why does it have to be imposter syndrome? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're right. And that's like we and she and Mala and I have started having this conversation amongst ourselves for several years now. Like, is it imposter syndrome or is it just that we're the first ones in the room? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the problem. It's mm-hmm. not us. We mm-hmm. didn't do anything. Again, going back to what you said, Sasha, it's the systems in place that have created the structure where you're the only maybe you're the first or the only one. Exactly. Yeah. And it's I think that's kind of like thing we said, like, that's the form of gaslighting, right? We're like, we're entering these spaces and it's like made to make me feel like I'm the one when it's like, no, like this is just everything around me that's kind of creating me to feel this way. An imposter. An imposter, exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, but keeping up with that conversation of like over-identifying and maybe self-diagnosing, like what advice would you give to listeners that want to follow mental health content and want to keep up with it um how do can they stay like mentally healthy while also like viewing all of this content yeah i think it's also like recognizing like what type of content you're taking in right because i think there's like the mental health content where it's like you're gaining it from kind of like licensed professionals right who are taught to kind of know how to like you know, diagnose these things versus going with a person who is just kind of going off of like their own lived experience, right? There's like differences. Not to say that like the lived experience, like I said, isn't important, but more so like recognizing that like we want to get information that's coming from a source that we know kind of is, it's valid or backed, right? So, but also limiting kind of like that, maybe sometimes that sad girl content, right? Because one thing that always kind of pops into my mind is like nowadays seeing a lot of people posting themselves like crying, Mm. right? Right. Or posting- On TikTok. Yeah, or posting these videos of like, it's just like, just overall sadness, right? And it's like, if you were allowing the algorithm to like feed that to you, it's going to impact, right? Like how you're feeling. Cause now you're thinking, oh my God, everyone else is sad and Mm -hmm. I'm sad too, right? So I think it's like trying to find that balance within yourself of like, okay, I wanna kind of continue to gain this mental health, like understanding, but recognizing 
what kind of sources I'm going to, but then also like balancing that with like community of like what communities can I tap into that are empowering and encouraging me to like recognize my mental health, but also like do the work Mm -hmm. to kind of like get myself to a place where I feel good and happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of think too, it's like the way that we wouldn't like Google like medical issues. WebMD. Like you don't want to do that for like mental health stuff too, right? And I think it goes the same as like, doing an IG search or a TikTok, right? I think that is equivalent to what Google searching is. And although like you can have good information, like it's not, not that it's not accurate, but it's not catered to you, you know? So even though like, yeah, finding a professional online might be better than not, the information that like even we put out with Homegirl Consejos, like it's not, it's not necessarily everyone's experience you know like our workshops even though we are there having conversations with them it's not everyone's experiences and so I think just being careful about that because even when we meet with girls at our workshops like we're pretty clear in saying like this isn't therapy right and if you do feel like you need further support like meet up with us after right and I know that it's it's difficult because like we talk about how mental health is important but the reality it's that it's not as accessible as it needs to be So I think just also finding different ways, like she said, to connect with community, whether that is with a counselor, right? Even though like services might not always be available like long term, finding centers that can offer like either short term support or groups, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a really good way to kind of have support in a way that like is feels legitimate and you're feeling you feel like you're actually in a group where you're being validated and supported, too. I love that. Tell me more about the workshops that y'all have hosted and and hope to host in the future. So a lot of the the workshops that we've done are what we feel like are the basic mental health 101, you know, like little starter kits through like for people who are interested in learning more about mental health, who maybe want to like embark on a journey of like self-healing, working on themselves, or maybe are already there and they just want to continue to do that work. So the first series of workshops that we had were last year. We did like a mental health 101 and then our second one was like a self-love, which was like more so looking at within. And then the third one was healthy relationships. So like in a way that to us was like the basic starter kit, right? Because the foundation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we really love that because I felt like, you know, everyone can relate to that. Whatever your experiences are, um, wherever you're at in your healing journey, it's very relatable. And I think it's a good place to start. Um, And then our second round of workshops really kind of were about like leveling up and like how do you kind of move forward if you are already doing this work. Um, So I don't know if Sasha wants to add a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we did. We actually did a whole workshop on imposter syndrome and like learning how to kind of combat that and like that internalized like oh, this is like the me problem like that we Mm. talked about. And then kind of like really trying to kind of build on those foundation pieces of like, okay, now that I'm kind of at this place where I'm ready to heal, like what are those skills that I can implement within myself or around me or tapping into community to help me kind of continue with like the growth. So I think for us, like we are wanting these workshops to obviously be as accessible to like community members, but also utilizing language that doesn't feel too kind of like jarring, right? Like Median said we want we don't want it to be clinical we want to use words that feel like more like under 
understanding, like where people can kind of create those connections and then from there move on to like, hey, maybe I am, I am needing to go into individual therapy or maybe, hey, group therapy is where I need to be at right now. So I think we definitely are wanting to expand it to be more. I know we've had talks about wanting to do school kind of workshops to kind of like let it kind of come out to like high schools, middle schools, because I feel like there is a really big need in like teaching like the younger generation on like mental health. They're already kind of doing an amazing job on like understanding it, but kind of really giving them the, the like knowledge and the language so that they can kind of like do that work themselves or begin to start to try to do that work. Beautiful. And where can our listeners keep up with you and follow you and maybe catch a future workshop? So we're on Instagram right now, um, Homegirl Consejos, and we are hoping to continue more virtual workshops because we do get um, just girls around that are not necessarily from California that are interested in just having these conversations. And one of the workshops that we did um, was like a virtual one, and it was intended to be like a one-hour like check-in, coping skills, how are we doing, and that turned out to be like an over-two-hour thing. So we do envision like Homegirl Consejos to also be like a way of having like a support system them in a network yeah. ideally we want to kind of create like an accountability community where everyone's doing their own stuff right and maybe you don't necessarily need therapy right now or maybe you are doing your own therapy but this is just another like way where you can find people that are interested in supporting each other from afar and just like celebrating your wins as well mm-hmm. um so yeah we are on instagram for now and i think that is where we're primarily really like creating this community and i think it's great because whenever we like post um just how are people doing check-ins right i think it's like the dms are flooding because like the sad girls are not okay (laughs) yeah the sad girls are sadding i knew it poor babies sometimes it's like checking in how's everybody doing and then it's like 20 like girl i'm going through it i'm like Uh oh girl me too yeah Yeah. (laughs) the reality is that like we are definitely going through it a lot Mm -hmm. of the time right (laughs) so we're still trying to figure out how to like continue having momentum with homegirl consejos but yeah whenever we do like kind of check back in everyone's like girl i'm not okay (laughs) yeah you know so so i think homegirl consejos is kind of like support for us too you know it's like a parallel process it is like (laughs) a lot of the workshops we do we're like be doing this like you should know? i be sitting in the crowd or should i be presenting <laughs> <laughs> for sure i love that's been like our experience también yeah i mean it's very real i mean you know therapists and and service providers across the board are human beings and i also think that probably makes you guys even better at what you do is like your ability to acknowledge like we go through things too you know like there's that human element there yeah which i think is important for listeners to hear too you know like you guys are like not like the therapist that you see in like tweed jackets and a monocle (laughs) you know like and i am not afraid to admit that like and i always tell people you know like i have been in therapy for like three years now and i'm like i just started therapy again today she's hearing (laughs) this please don't ever break up with me (laughs) (laughs) it is a parallel process you know and i think like just the way that like people learn from some of the conversations we have i think we're continuing to learn from our community and and that makes us better at our job too Mm -hmm. you know um just because i think in therapy even though like it shouldn't be this way like i think there's always this like power dynamic Mm -hmm. in the room that like if the therapist is not conscious of it or like intentionally trying to like dismantle that it's gonna be there 
you know and i think that's what i really love about like our workshops is that like it's very much discussion based like at first we had our first workshop like the chairs were like facing us and like we hated that like we're like no this is not gonna work Mm -hmm. you know it was it felt like people were just like in a lecture and so after that we started kind of like facing the chairs in like doing more like group groups Mm -hmm. right and that like it was crazy what that did to the like dynamic in the room yeah you know um, so just little things like that that I think like it just allows for better conversations and for people to open up more. Exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Homegirl Consejo, Sasha, and Miriam for joining us. You're always welcome at Locatora Radio. <laughs> We've loved having you. Thank you. And this has been another episode. Thank you for tuning in. Besitos. 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 Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, is executive produced and hosted by me, Mala Munoz, and Diosa Fem. Story editing by me, Diosa. Audio editing by Stephanie Franco. Thank you to our locamores, our listeners, for all of your support. Besitos. Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella. Hosted by Mala Munoz and Diosa Fem. chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen and with resi priority notify and global dining access through my amex platinum card right this way it's nice to try someone else's food for a change that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com slash with amex professional wrestling like real life is full of surprises hi everyone it's freddie prince jr and it's no surprise i can talk wrestling all day any day Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.